have a Bible, let's open up to the book of Psalms, chapter 95. Psalm 95 is one of the classic psalms we have. And let's begin reading in verse 1, where it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And this is really such an awesome psalm, uh, really to raise the volume, to raise the praise to the Lord, and not just singing. Uh, When you look at it, you notice right here they're shouting. You guys ever shout when you're mad, maybe? (laughs) When your team makes a three-pointer to win the game? You know, I think we see that a lot. But we, 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 in this verse, he, he says it twice. Verse 1 again, let us shout joyfully. Uh, verse 2, let us shout joyfully here. And when you think about it and all that God has done for us, it really does make sense that we would have that in our hearts, that we would be thankful, that we would be joyful, you know, because where would we be tonight without the Lord? You know, some of you guys here, you might not be alive. Some of you guys right here, you'd be locked up. Some of us right here, you might be in the bar or getting high or just uh, maybe not married anymore, you know, um, away from our children, you know. And so we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be joyful for. And, uh, and yet oftentimes I think we as Christians, we're so reserved. We're so conservative in our, in our worship. And, I, and we shouldn't be. We really shouldn't be, you know. And so that's why this psalm right here is cool because it gives us that reason for a celebration. And even if I could use that word jubilation, huh? Jubilation, right? And, and if you're wondering why, again, he gives the reason there in verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And that's why we're so blessed, you know, because we're saved. We're not worried about dying. We're not, you know. I mean, we're not afraid. We're not like uh, thinking, oh, it's going to happen and we're tripping out. But we just know that if it does, I'm good. I'm, I, I, it's not because I'm such a great man. It's not because I behave. It's because I believe. And I have a joy. And I have a peace. And I have a love. God has saved me. God's filled the void within me. I'm high on him now. I have a purpose. I have a cause. You know, Jesus did everything for me. This is why there's celebration. This is why there's jubilation because of the rock of our salvation. You know, and so I think some of you guys here, you're more like an extrovert, huh? Some of you guys here like all... um, excited and you know when you you know are you guys like that or are you like me more like reserved i kind of tend to be that way when i read this psalm i'm like man i think there's something wrong with me you know i need to shout i need to shout joyfully you know uh something i found interesting in looking at this right here in the english translation we can't see it but in the hebrew you can because in verses one and two there's uh, the word come in verse one in verse two there's come but in the Hebrew language, they're different words. The first is just kind of like go, you know, come, you know, find yourself in a place. But the second Hebrew word, kadam, is a call to meet with God, to be in his presence face to face. That's the second verse right here. Oh, let us come and before his presence. And so 
the Lord has made a way, think about it, for you and I to be able to come into his presence face to face. No more separation, just salvation, which stimulates our celebration. And so we have a, a reason to rejoice. I was wondering if you guys could shout for joy. Would you guys be willing to do that? <laughs> You're like, that's weird, Manny. One, two, three. Woo! Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, and we get all excited because we do it when we go to a, a game, right? The world does it. They celebrate and they worship at their concerts and in their games, they glorify their teams uh, and we see it, huh? Do you guys ever seen these grown men uh, in freezing weather without a t-shirt uh, wearing blocks of cheese on their heads for the Green Bay Packers? Have you guys ever seen that? And they're shouting for their celebrities, they're worshiping their deities, these guys. And you guys know some of them are, are Christians, but a lot of them are not role models. I think we have a picture here. The first one is these guys from Green Bay, uh, and they got the cheese head thing. I mean, like, I mean, talk about being excited, right, for their team. And then the next one is from the Chicago Bears. I guess they want to beat the Green Bay Packers, and it was a cheese grater anyways. Um, you know, I mean, but they go all out, you know, and they're so excited. They have that, you know, for what, a temporal win? Listen, you and I have won in life. We have, we are, you know, the t-shirt. We are not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And so I would even say this, you know, just open your eyes so you would have that type of joy. Maybe you won't shout your fist. Maybe you won't scream out loud. Maybe you will. Maybe you should. I don't know, but I do know this. You have reason for celebration. You have reason for jubilation. We should be a joyful people, and we really should raise the praise. You know, it's kind of cool for me. I sit right there in front of the speaker when we're doing worship, and so I can sh I can sing loud, and no one can hear me, which I like it, you know. But the Lord can hear me. The Lord can hear me. And we're going to talk about this in this psalm right here, how I don't know if you've ever, like, been serenaded. How many of you here have ever been serenaded? I'm just curious. And for if you have, it's, it's an awesome thing. You know, you're sitting right there and someone is just singing to you. I mean, uh, it just makes you almost melt. In one sense, that's what we're doing to God when we're singing to him. You ever think about that? Have you ever made it like that personal? That's what we're doing. And so I, I just love this psalm right here encouraging us to, to worship in that sense, to, to, to raise the praise, we have more reasons given to us in verse 3. It says, For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And we worship him. Who is he? He's the Lord. He, he's Yahweh. He's, that, that's his personal name. He's God. He's the great God. He's the king. Um, and he's the maker. He's the maintainer of everything. He holds everything, it says right here, in his hands. Think about that. The deep places, 
They might be in reference to the deepest part of the oceans, or it might be beyond the ocean floor. It might go to the core of the earth. This is who God is. He holds everything in his hands, the the highest mountains, uh, the raging sea, the dry land. He made it all. And, and I know um, for us, you know, maybe it's a challenge to appreciate his creation because we spend a lot of our time indoors, right, in our cars or concrete jungles. But when we do get out and look up at, at the things that he's made, you know, whether it be the hummingbird that, that flies or the beautiful blue mountain skies, look up and, and, you, and you realize, wow, what an awesome God that we have. He's so majestic he's so huge but he's mine you know and and we have that here so many reasons in this psalm right here already number one salvation number two his identification number three his creation and then you know when you look at this look at verse six he says "Oh, oh come there's the invitation and continues let us worship and bow down Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. And some of you guys probably know that song, huh? It's such a beautiful song. And so it's an invitation, you know, come, let us raise the praise. Come, let us lift up our praise. Have you guys ever heard worship leaders say that? Let's lift it up, lift it up. You guys ever heard that? You're like, no, I've heard it before. (laughs) Lift up, right? But he's also saying, bow down. Bow down. And so it's a really beautiful balance when you look at this psalm right here. As a matter of fact, I think Warren Wiersbe, he captured it well when he said this, praise means looking up, but worship means bowing down. And, And we'll see in this psalm that we can't just shout to God. We must also bow to God and it's a really cool the way that it works together you know because we have to make sure because a lot of people I think that they go to church or they go to the concerts to them it's just a concert and they sing and they're enthusiastic about the whole thing and they and they and they go to worship to get they they go to that that worship to get like I'm going to go and I'm going to feel the tingles and I'm going to enjoy the lights and it's going to sound just great to my ears. When that that's not what we're talking about in this whole experience of of praise and worship. No, you have to really ask yourself when you're when we're going through this because it's a huge part of who we are as a church. Are you really singing to Him? You know, so are the worship leaders here in that church, whatever the place is, is it a concert? Is it a performance? Are there people up on a stage and is there, you know, a crowd out there? Is that an audience? Or are we worshiping God? It all depends. And only the Lord knows the motive of the heart. It all depends on whether or not you're singing to him. You know, and we talked about this, and I know Angel has that heart. He's singing to God. Now, whether or not you want to join him in that, that's up to you. But this is what what praise is. This is what true worship is. Number one, who are you singing to? And, And then number two, are you really here in this worship, you know, place to give? 
worship to God. Some people, they're like, I want to go and I want to I get. And God is so good. How many of you here, when you come to worship, you sense his, his pleasure on you? You feel it sometimes, huh? But that is not why we worship. Lord, we are here to praise you. We are here to give to you. And if I don't feel anything in return, that's okay. Because you're my savior. And we just come to give. You see, and that's, I think when we look at this, we raise the praise and that goes up. And and then worship is the aspect of bowing down. Warren Worsby said this, too often Christian praise is nothing but religious entertainment and it never moves into spiritual enrichment in the presence of the Lord. And so, you know, we need to make sure that we sing to him, we sing from our heart, not our diaphragm, and, uh, and, and we sing, you know, uh, with our heart. I like what Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says. It says, and, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And we talked about this on Sunday, you know, how we want to be filled with the Spirit. But notice what it leads to. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so this is what he's talking about right here. You know, you may have noticed that here the motivation to worship is the goodness of God. Again, O come, let us kneel, let us worship and, and bow down in verse 6. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And so it's motivating us right here anyways for a good reason, right? But, but he doesn't end there, and it's interesting. This is a really interesting psalm because it starts off so upbeat, so beautiful, right? It, but it doesn't end that way, really. And what we, what we see here is the psalmist is wise in not only encouraging us to uh, praise and worship, but even warning us to praise and worship. Look what we read next in verse 7b. It says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. As in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts. And they do not know my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And just when you thought it was going to be an easy message, <laughs> you're like, hey, this is, a, this is a really good one, to, easy one to listen to. God, in my Bible, I highlight red for warning. It's just a heavy, heavy, heavy warning to us. You know, what we find right here is we, we must not harden our hearts. We have to sing from our hearts. We can't test God or tempt God to discipline us. We need to trust God. And what we find is that really the only way 
not to wander through life is to surrender to him. And if you're not, you know, surrendering, if you're not bowing down in worship, then there's now a warning. First, there's a wooing for all the goodness. He's a wooing us to praise and worship. And now he's actually warning us, you know, to, to praise and worship. And, and he talks about the rebellion there in verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And I thought that was interesting. I was called that, you know, after... You know, we look at the story, all that God had done for the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt with the plagues and the Passover and the parting of the Red Sea. You know, they saw his works. Imagine seeing the works, but it didn't really register in them. You know, and maybe you've seen the works. Maybe you've seen God. Maybe you're saved and you saw him save you. And maybe you've seen miracles and, you know, uh, some things are, are more obvious than others. But if you're, you know, paying attention, you're going to see what God has done. It, just because you've gone through it, listen, just because you've experienced it, it doesn't really mean that it's actually registered in your heart. And that's where we need to be careful. You know, what says right here that they, they didn't know his ways that's what it says there in, in verse in verse 10 they they do not know my ways you know and, and our god you know when you when you look at this this is what we have to get to know like the children of israel coming out of egypt what did it teach them it, it should have taught them that our god is our god he's he's mine he's he's our god he has chosen me us to be his people and 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 if we're his people then he will always take care of us that that should have registered with them right i mean even if you have to wait a day or two for water that's okay don't you don't have to freak out you don't have to panic the children of israel they started getting upset with moses and then with god because you know they didn't know where the water was going to come from then, then you don't know God. You don't know his ways. I mean, you know, when you come to the Lord, it's all about, you know, his will and his ways and his timing, not mine. Don't you know by now that you can trust him? Don't you know that who he is to you, who you are to him? You know, but they went through the whole thing and they didn't, they didn't really register they, they couldn't even figure out that their God was bigger than the nine feet giants in the promised land. That, that's how small their God was. They, they did, didn't register with them. And so when they went into the land and they spied out the land, they said, hey, you know, we're grasshoppers in their sight and there's giants and fortified cities. And what ended up happening is they did not trust God. And as a result of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 38 years. Listen, I just want to make sure you guys know, because the word today is there. Today. Today. I don't, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You do not have to wander in the wilderness another day. Not another day. You can go into the promised land. 
when you realize who God is, who you are in Christ, what he's done for us. He's bigger than, you know, the, the giants. You know, but they didn't get to know his ways. They didn't get to know him. I guess they believed in their brain, but not in their heart. You know, it says there in verse 10 that they always go astray in their hearts. And so as a result of that, verse 11 says, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And, uh, you know, it's a crazy thing. The psalm started off so nice in a positive note, and it ends in a rough way. But it only does that because God does not want you to end there. Um, have you ever gone through a, se a season in your life where you can't sleep? Uh, thank God I've never been there. I can sleep anytime while I'm driving. I mean, you name it, man. <laughs> you know, but I, my heart just goes out to people who can't sleep. It's so difficult. There's no rest. There's no rest. And sometimes Christians are, 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 are living their life like that. There's just no rest. They don't realize what God has done for them. You know, the book of Hebrews, it talks about this in Hebrews 3, 7 through 11, and Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 7. And, I, and you read it, after all that Jesus had done, basically for the Hebrews, it was a call for them to leave the religion and, and never go back. And, and what is religion symbolic of? It's symbolic of, you know, us working, us trying to earn our way to to God's love or God's, you know, favor or to make, you know, earn my brownie points with God so that he'll smile upon me. Listen, he already will smile upon you every time he looks at you. Every time he looks at you. I mean, he may have to smile on you and give you a little, you know, tarancaso or something, but no matter what, that's the favor that we have as his children. As a matter of fact, I thought it was kind of cool because uh, over and over again, we read in this psalm, come, come, come. And as it ends with the concept of rest, I couldn't help but think of Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And most of you probably know this passage. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so, you know, if you find yourself uh, like laboring, if you find yourself like worried, if you find yourself like bogged down, if you find yourself heavy laden, what Jesus says is just come to me. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. Not what all the other people are telling you to do. Not all the other expectations that everyone else is heaping on you. That's not from the Lord. You just come as you are. And you just do the things, Jesus said, that I ask you to do. And you do it the best you can. It might not be the best in everyone else's sight, but that's okay. You give God what you have. And, and you just do what he asks you to do. And you want to know who you learn from? He says right here, you learn from him. He says, learn from me. Because I, I want you to know that the life that I have for you to live is, is easy. You want to know why? It's because I'm going to be 
taking you through life will be together but we're not alone and so you know easy i know that's a relative word it doesn't mean that we don't don't go through trials you know but even in the most difficult things you will ever face in life if you face them with jesus it's not hard that's why you have to face them with jesus so a cool psalm wooing us to worship and praise and even warning us to worship and praise and make sure you sing loud but make sure you surrender everything to him there's a lot there in that psalm and then and then psalm 96 it says oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth sing to the lord bless his name proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the nations his wonders among all peoples and i and i think and again you can't overgeneralize, but i think psalm 95 is like jesus our savior and psalm 96 is jesus the judge you know and we see him in that way revealed in the bible it's kind of cool huh when god gives you a new song huh do you guys agree he'll raise up a new song in your life huh and you're like oh that's such a cool song and it becomes your song for a couple months and then there's a new one you know it's kind of cool you know but it, it it doesn't mean necessarily we let go of all the other old christian songs as a matter of fact what i found is that there's a, an interesting passage in matthew 13 52 jesus said to them therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old and so um you know i think there you can use that as a principle you know because uh, sometimes people will say well you guys sing only only new songs or sometimes people will say well you guys sing only old songs and you can kind of have a little division there in the church i like the old songs the old hymns the old calvary songs you know and that's cool um and and then some are like no just the, the new stuff you know hill song and and whatever and and this is what i would say to all you worship leaders it's cool to have both you know so you have some old songs man and i know for me i've got a lot of old songs but but you're always looking for new songs because the holy spirit is still writing new songs and we may not like go to i wouldn't go to a hillsong church i think the church or bethel i actually think they're off but their worship is good it's the holy spirit it's not them and so don't be afraid of new songs okay because <laughs> the bible says it's okay to sing new songs right and, and as we sing to the lord it says we praise his his name we proclaim it says the good news really of his salvation the gospel look again right there in verse 2 sing to the lord bless his name proclaim the good news of his salvation how often every day and so here's a little bible verse that i maybe i can tell you hey tell somebody about jesus at least one person every day and we could do that in such an easy way i think it was dia moody he had that conviction in his heart every day i got to share with at least one person and one time he was going to he went to bed and he uh he hadn't shared with anybody so he got out of bed which is so hard to do huh? <laughs> 
put his clothes back on and he went and got out in the street and he found this guy crossing the street and he looked at him he said do you know jesus <laughs> we should have that heart you know this is what he's saying right here seeing you're, you're sharing the gospel and the septuagint the greek word is where we get our new testament word evangelize that's what he's saying here to do it every single day you know, because it's, it's good news, he says there in verse 2. And, and I don't know if you guys watch the news. How many of you here watch the news? How many of you here are too embarrassed to raise your hand to say that I watch the news? <laughs> you know, but I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of good news out there. But this is not only good news, it's the best news you'll ever hear, right? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord... Um, man, it's so cool to know that, you know, Jesus loves you. He paid the price for us to go to paradise. He did everything, man. All you have to do is believe in your heart about the cross and resurrection. You just turn from your sin and you trust in him and you're saved. It's such an awesome message, you know, and what ends up happening is when God saves you, how many of you here, when you got saved, you used to sing bad songs before you were a Christian, and now you sing, you know, good songs? I remember when I was uh, not a Christian, I used to sing with David Lee Roth and Van Halen, Running with the Devil. Think about that. I used to sing that song. Or ACDC, they have a song called Hell's Bells, or um, Back in Black, or Running, um, what's the other one? Um, Highway to Hell. Think about that. I used to sing a song called Highway to Hell. Uh, I used to sing a song called Stairway to Heaven, whatever. I don't know what it means, but I kind of thought, well, that's the way, you, you know, you get to heaven. But what was going on in my life is I was actually descending and dying inside. And then I discovered, you know, when I got saved, this gospel right here, that I didn't have to climb to get to heaven. I just had to claim Christ, and, uh, and I was saved. And so I started singing different songs, praise God. In verse 4, it says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And, and you guys, have, have you seen all the statues? Have you guys seen that? I mean, it's just, it's just horrifying, right? It's so sad to see. We see it here, but especially as you travel the world, men and, and women who choose statues, right? They worship idols, Hinduism, Buddhism, Catholicism. But here we see, and it's interesting, in the Hebrew language, it's even more clear. The word idols in verse 5, it literally means nothing, that, you know, these things are nothing. They're weak. They're, they're worthless. And Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. He said, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but, but one. And, and so this is why we praise the one true God and why we preach him, because we want people to be saved. And this uh, psalm right here it seems to be saying, you know, share the Lord with the nations. Share the Lord with the people because Jesus is coming. There's like an urgency there. And so we read in verse 7, it says, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. 
Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. You know, and so it's interesting. We're not just singing. We're giving. We're giving God the glory. And it's so important that we always do that as Christians, that we always do that as a church, you know. You know, we give God the glory, you know, and you might wonder why, and it's because he made you, he maintains you. You know, we give God the glory, why? Because he he loves us. Even though he knows everything about us, he still loves us, he saved us. Don't give glory to the church, please. Sometimes when I, when, I, when, I, when I hear people give their testimonies, I almost want to tell them, don't mention the church. Don't mention the pastor. Don't mention the evangelist. Don't mention the person. Because I, I almost want to make, I just want to make sure that no one else gets the glory. It's God who saved you. And that's kind of what he's saying right here. He's saying, give the glory to God. You know, we come and we sing and we come and we give him all the glory. You know, what we read right here, it says in verse 8, give to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering and, and come into his courts. And so I thought about it tonight. Maybe we should do another offering tonight. And then, I, and then the Lord said, absolutely not. I'll swat you like a fly if you try that. <laughs> um, but I think you guys know what the Lord is asking right here, huh? As you come into the courts, he wants you. He wants all of you. He wants your heart. He loves you. And he has such an amazing plan for your life. And so as we come into these courts, which is a symbolic of coming into the presence of God, This is the offering we bring. Lord, we bring uh, our hearts to you. You know, is there anyone here tonight who, you know, you're not living right. You got one foot in and one foot out. God is saying, I want all of you. And I pray that right here, like we read earlier today, don't harden your hearts. Today you give everything to God. You know, there's that word again, the word uh, worship. Look at verse 9, a worship. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And so tonight, praise is lifting up. Tonight, we learned that worship is bowing down, surrendering to him. And we do that. Um, you know, and you look at your life. What are the trends that need to end? God is saying this right here, and he puts his finger on things. And I know in my life, he's doing that. You know, and he's just talking about his beauty and his holiness. So wonderful God is and how we tremble before him all the earth. And I don't know if you tremble before him. I know that we have to have a healthy fear of God, not an unhealthy fear, but there should be an aspect of, you know, trembling in one sense. I remember uh, one time, I, I didn't know him that well, but I remember one time Steve Mays, he, he, he told me something that was kind of cool. He said that the, the word uh, to the pastor, that one of the best verses for the pastors 
is Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. And this is what he said, But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. And that's where we should be, huh? You know, humble, knowing that in and of ourselves we're bankrupt. And then when we read his word, we just, we, we, we tremble before him. And so we read in verse 10, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. Notice in verse 13, For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. And so it's interesting, again, Jesus the judge. And, and as Jesus is coming to judge, um, do you guys see it soon? I think we see the signs. Are we living with that urgency to tell people about the Lord? You know, not to mince words, but just to shoot straight, you know? Um, I like what he says right here, say among the nations. To me, that reminds me of the Great Commission where Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Why? Because the king is coming. And then verses 11 and 12, you know, he says, the heavens rejoice, the earth is glad, the sea roars, and the field is joyful, the trees rejoice. And that's all creation. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 21 through 23, that the whole creation is even groaning for Jesus to come and to make things right. And so that's what he's talking about right here, right? And so as the Lord is coming during the millennial kingdom, it's going to be amazing. Uh, creation won't be perfect during the millennial kingdom, but it but will be restored to a certain extent. And then uh, after the thousand years, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But Jesus came the first time as a lamb. He comes the second time as what? A lion. Yeah, and lions are pretty tough. <laughs> and so the last psalm, Psalm 97, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains, think about this, melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. And what we find right here is pretty cool. It's very straightforward as far as the Lord coming to set up his kingdom and reign. You know, and, and it's so interesting how it talks about how the world will see. Look there in verse 4. The earth sees and trembles. And that's what happens when Jesus comes. You know, the clouds are there. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him. 
and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, the Bible says, Amen. In verse 7, we see there's no other God. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. And again, kind of coming back to the concept of there's no other way to heaven. You know, you, there's no other religion. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so when I read this about Jesus coming as judge and now Jesus coming as king to reign, it just stirs up within me more of a desire to share the Lord with the lost. You know, so we have to have our holy huddles here, you guys. Thank God for our, our times together. But I pray that when you go out, that you have eyes to evangelize, that you're sharing with people because the idols, these gods, the, plur the pluralism, all that kind of stuff, it, it's nothing. They're, they, they're not going to make it. They need you to tell them about the way that you don't have to earn, the, you know, earn your way to heaven and climb the mountain to reach God. They need you to tell them that God came down the mountain to reach them. So you search your heart. Who have you been sharing with? Or maybe if you haven't been sharing with anybody lately, here's another question. Who's God been putting on your heart? And I know if you're a Christian and you have a, a, you know, his blood in you, I know God's been putting people on your heart. And this psalm right here, when I read it, it's about you know, getting ready because Jesus is coming, man. And in verse 10, he says, You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. You know, we're talking about, you know, raising the praise and, and going up and lifting it up and then bowing down in worship. You know, we're talking about Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Judge, Jesus, our King. Um, be so careful that you don't get caught up in this world doing your own thing. You know, whatever it is that I know as we're obedient to him, God's going to use our lives to reach the people. But I tell you what, and let me just share this with you. If you're living in sin, if you're tolerating any sin in your life, then you're short-circuiting the power of God in your life. And that's why he says right there, you who love the Lord, you say you love the Lord, how do you feel about evil? Are you okay with it? Well, I don't do it, but that's no big deal. You know, I, I, I don't believe in abortion, but it's okay for women to get an abortion. You know what that means? That means you don't hate evil. You don't hate evil. You know, because what does evil do? It sends people to hell. What does evil do? It separates people from, from God. Sin separates people from God, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. And so what do we do? We who love the Lord, we hate 
And I know for some of you here, you're like, well, I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. Listen, you gotta, you got to hate evil. You don't hate the sinner, but you hate the sin. Because unfortunately, I think that sometimes even in the church, people are not in that place. You know, Psalm 119, 104 says, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Every single false way. Those, you know, and I don't hate the Hindus, but I hate Hinduism. I don't hate Buddhists, but I hate Buddhism. I hate religion if it doesn't bring people to God. You have to hate every false way. How are you going to come to that place when you read your Bible? Right? Psalm, uh, Proverbs 8, verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, the perverse mouth I hate. And so you're, you know, these are things that you hate. Uh, Psalm 119, 163, I hate and abhor lying. But I love your law. You just hate it. Not you don't hate the person, but you hate that, right? Um, Amos five fifteen. It says, "Hate evil, love good, love it. Establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph." Like if the church came to this place, we're like, you know, um, again, we can't be perfect, but man. I'm going to walk circumspectly. I'm going to guard my thoughts and the words that I say because I hate evil. If all the church came to that place, Amos 5, chapter, chapter 5, 15, basically saying God might do a work. God actually might do an amazing work because we're worshiping him in the beauty of his holiness. You know, and so it's not just hating the sins and all the other people. Because I know, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to identify in others. But I like what Paul said in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. He said, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And so sometimes it's not just other people. Remember, if you point the finger, you got three pointing back at yourself. Remember, Romaine used to say that. And so, Lord, I know you want to do a work. Lord, I know that you want to work in me. You want to bring revival. You want to bring a great awakening. You want to do great things. And so, um, Lord, I I tell you what, I'm going to surrender everything to you. You know, why would we not hate evil? I mean, when we look at how good God is to us as children who've gone from ain'ts to saints, we see there in verse 10, you who love the Lord hate evil, because look at how good God is. Look at you guys. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light shines on the godly, and joy, he says, on those whose hearts are right. And so we end with this, rejoice, rejoice. Can you guys do that? Can you guys shout like one last time? Yeah. Yes. Woo! Right. <laughs> you guys, come on. Come on. Isn't Jesus awesome? Yeah. I mean, this the, the way that he loves us, the way that he's with us, man. I mean, it's so cool. And I'll, I'll just close with this last story as the musicians come forward. We went to go visit uh, Betty's dad, John, this last week. 
and I know that I've known this guy for years and talk about a hard guy I mean he was like anti-christian you know the only he only liked one guy that was Billy Graham he says he's the only good guy in the whole world and he went to Billy Graham crusade and he still didn't go forward I mean this guy was like not gonna get saved and then God just broke him down and it's so amazing we went to go visit him I mean this guy God has appeared to him he has seen dreams he has had visions he has had miracles and when we went and we spoke to him and we shared with him because it looks like my, he might be in his last days I mean tears are welling up in his eyes this guy is saved and he's going to heaven and it's amazing to me man, because praise God because God can even break down even the hardest of hearts you know so I just we have reason to rejoice and celebrate don't give up on your loved ones man it's so cool when we read right here how at the end we can rejoice in the Lord because of what he's done